We're doing a series on truth. And we're actually going to have this, this morning's message and we'll finish next week. I believe that the Lord will bring it to a conclusion next week. But read with me, if you would, in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. This is before Jesus went to the cross. This is the time where he was this is a time where he was with his disciples. Before he went to the garden, he would be arrested that night and, and die for the sins of the world. And the, the disciples were troubled. They were troubled because the Lord was going to be leaving them. And he says, don't, don't you worry a bit. I'm sending the Comforter. Okay, the Comforter with a capital C it has in my Bible. He says, even the Spirit of Truth. Amen? The Spirit of Truth. And so the world cannot receive the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit or the comforter because it doesn't know the Lord, the world, a lost world. It can. Once we know Christ, we can receive the Holy Spirit. But it says, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but the born again see him and the born again know him. Amen. And I'm going to say this. Uh, at the very beginning, we're doing a series on truth. We're going to talk this morning about the spirit of truth and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, okay, and his ministry to and for and through the lives of God's people, the church. Amen? But every believer, every single believer that's born again, if they're truly born again, now the Lord knows those that are his. He says he's not confused as to who belongs to him or not. We can be confused sometimes. I thought they were Christian and now this, or I didn't think they were saved. And, and, and sometimes we can be confused. We're not positive. Okay, that's why we're to live in such a way that people around us aren't confused. They know that we belong to the Lord. Amen? We're to let our light so shine before men that they'd see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. But the Lord's not confused. If anybody is saved, truly saved in a biblical manner, uh, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in this gospel, the Holy Spirit resides in that in individual. You cannot be saved apart from the Holy Spirit. Men and women are born, again, by the Spirit of God. It is a spiritual birth. We're born, we have a natural birth in the flesh, and by faith we give our life to Christ. We're born of the Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your God in your body and your spirit, which, which are God's, or belong his possession. And so please understand, this whole sermon this morning is not on this, but I want to get this out there uh, at the very beginning, that if somebody is saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. Now, there is something very significant and important subsequent to that, which I believe is taught clearly in the Gospels. It's, Jesus himself spoke of it. He spoke of it here. And that would be the baptism of the, of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
that came, the Holy Spirit came in power on the day of Pentecost, where we read about 120 were gathered in the upper room. Now, the whole message is not about this, but I want you to know every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. I just want to read this from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to go ahead and read it for time's sake. Romans 8, I'm going to read verses 9, 14, and 16. If you want to turn there, you can. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He's basically saying if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to the Lord. That's not me saying it. That's the Word of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so every saved person, sometimes you'll hear, and I think it's, it might just be almost like a slip of a tongue almost, where people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit will say an, another believer who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit say they need the Spirit or they don't have the Spirit. Yes, they do. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What they're lacking is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. They're not a junior Christian. They're a Christian The Holy, if they're either saved or not. And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. There is a very important and precious and wonderful promise that God gives to all those that are saved that he desires us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to walk in that fullness. And so uh, that's a wonderful promise. And that promise, Peter said on the day of Pentecost when he was preaching to people that weren't even saved, he says this promise is for you, for your children, for as many as are far, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is to them that believe the gospel. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for them that are saved and have believed believed and asked for that. So one of the gracious and I would say powerful and helpful ministries of the comforter to the believer, for the believer, in the believer, is to teach truth. And there's not a substitute for, for him, by the way. One of the wonderful, helpful, needful, powerful ministries of the comforter. When Jesus says, when I go, I'm going to send him, he's the comforter, even the spirit of truth. What does the spirit of truth do? What's the point? The, one of the, is a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does for us, but one of the main things is, even his name is the spirit of truth, and the Holy Spirit teaches men truth. The Holy Spirit teaches us truth. It's more than just mental, y'all. It's more than just a mental grasp of biblical doctrines and history and so forth. And, and going through the ABCs of the gospel and he died for our sins and we're all sinners and so forth. There has to be the illumination, the revelation of the Holy Ghost to that heart, to that mind, to that spirit individually. When we went out sharing the gospel the other day, I evidently and obviously all didn't believe. Most were very kind. They were courteous. They, they listened to us. Uh, some we share the gospel with, some we handed them a track, some we, you know, uh, can we pray with you for, about anything? Some said, uh, some said, this is interesting, I like it, but I'm not quite ready for that yet. What has to happen in all of that, we go out bearing the seed, right? We go, sower went forth, sowing the seed. And in that, we need the Holy Spirit, 
We need the Holy Spirit to, to quicken. We need the Holy Spirit to take the words of life and make it life to them. It's already the word of life. It's already the word of God. It's already truth. But the spirit of truth comes along and, and begins to bring about that working, that inner witness that, yeah, what that preacher's telling you is true. What that person who's handing out the track is telling you, it's true. What you just read in your Bible is true. And, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. This is one of his greatest ministries. And to the believer, to the believer, to take what's of Christ and show it to us, to reveal truth to us. He teaches us. He leads men into all truth. And can I tell you that we have the perfect teacher. We have the absolute perfect teacher. You know, preachers and teachers that are Christians, are, uh, there have been some wonderful ministers of God over the years that God, including Paul and these other apostles, but they're fallible men. But we have the perfect teacher in the Holy Spirit. We have the perfect guide to help us and to keep us in the right way, to keep us in the ways of God. This is a perilous journey that we're on going through this life as believers. It is hard. It's difficult. The times are dark. And so we need to, the leading of God, and his way that he leads us is by the word of God in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. So you'll always hear me talk about uh, the Bible, but the Bible in connection with the Holy Spirit, the rightly divided word of, word of truth. People can take the Bible and pervert it. People can take the Bible and take a perfectly sound scripture, which they all are, and build something false out of it when it's not rightly divided. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in and must come in to be our teacher. I'm preaching to the, to the church now, to those that are born again. The Holy Spirit indwells you. We have the perfect uh, guide. We have the perfect convictor of sin. We have the perfect guide to keep us from error and the false, and the, and the fake, and the erroneous, and to show us Christ. We have the perfect teacher who gives us the revelation knowledge of the Lord. There are people, y'all, in, in seminaries that know this Bible much better than you and I do, and the Hebrew and the Greek, that are not led by the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying just a head knowledge is not enough. We have to have the revelation and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live this life for Christ right in the face of opposition of a very strong opponent and adversary, the devil. Amen? And he gives us boldness to testify of the Lord. We were dependent upon the Lord the other night when we went out. Every time you open your mouth and hand out a track or share the gospel or can I pray with you or let me tell you what God did for me, we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We and ourselves are nervous and shaking a little bit. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. Go on with it. Go on. I'm with you. The Lord says, I'm with you. The Lord's working with me, confirming the word. Amen. And so the Bible says uh, that after Peter and John were persecuted, the lame man was healed. The, they were brought before the Jewish council and threatened not to preach in his name anymore. And they left that company, they went back to their company of believers, and they prayed and sought the Lord, and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. And it says, the place was shaken where they were. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and with great power, 
gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This is a working of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, okay? The Spirit of truth. Let's, let's say, for example, that someone's a new believer or maybe an immature believer, and they've been saved, but they haven't really been walking with the Lord. Or you got, we got to lead these few people to the Lord the other night. What would be next for them, they're going to say, okay, I just got saved. Now what? How do I live this life? I gave my life to Jesus. Well, we would say discipleship, and I would agree with that. We would say church life, and I would agree with that. We would say the study of the word. Amen. But the Holy Spirit's going to lead them into all of that. If they'll keep their eyes upon the Lord, there's a great need now. They're saved. If they die, they're going to go to heaven. But now it's almost like they're a fish out of water. They're saved. They're still in the world. They don't know what to do next. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He will lead us. He'll lead men to the Word, the living Word, okay? Let's say, for example, you say, uh, and I think we all may have experienced this at some time. As a Christian, as a believer, you say, this that I'm feeling, is it condemnation of the devil or is this conviction of the Holy Spirit? We need to know, don't we? We need to know the difference. Am I just feeling condemned uh, for no reason? And, and I need to wake up and say, this is the enemy just trying to make me feel filthy and lousy and unsaved? Or is this actually the Holy Spirit who's a spirit of truth, who's coming along to convict me of sin and try to bring me to repentance and try to bring me on deeper with the Lord. They're two totally opposite things. We need to know the difference, amen? We need to know, what, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring about that conviction. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to every believer, and he has made the promise, which he desires for every believer, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the fullness of that. But as the body of Christ, you and I have not been left alone. God didn't save you and then drop you out in the middle of the wilderness, okay? God saved you, and he says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Now, I've never seen the Lord. I've never seen the Lord physically. I've never seen the nail-scarred hands or, the, or the, the, you know, where his side was pierced by the sword. But we've seen the Lord. By the Holy Ghost, we see the Lord. By the Holy Spirit, we lay hold on Christ. By the Holy Spirit, we pray to him. We get at these altars, and we know that we've met with God, and he's met with us. By the Holy Spirit, we hear the Lord. By the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. The Lord did not leave us uh, as defenseless, powerless children to fend for ourselves. He did not do that, okay? He did not do this. Well, whatever happens to him, happens to him. God is very aware. The very hairs of our head are numbered. Amen. He's watching over us. He did not leave us weak. He did not leave us powerless. He did not leave us without wisdom. He has given us his very presence. How is God present with us now? Individually in my life and in this body. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The whole body of Christ, the church, is called the body of Christ. He's the head. And we're to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit. God is present with us this morning and always, not by Jesus Christ physically walking beside us. We do know that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. 
And then he's, when the Father says it's time, he's going to come rapture his church. And about seven years after that, he's going to come and set up a throne in Jerusalem and reign and rule. And, and we'll be reigning with him. But how is God present with us now? First of all, he is present with us now. He's present with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. God did not leave us to fend for ourselves. Amen. Jesus said in that same chapter we were reading, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Aren't you glad? Parents walk out on, on children. Spouses walk out on each other. People walk out on, on people. But the Lord's not going to walk out on us. Amen. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is before he went to the cross. They were going to watch all this. And there's our Savior. We trusted that he was going to be the Savior of Israel. And they didn't understand everything perfectly. But you know what? He said the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. He's going to set it all straight when he comes. And it's, it's, he's, not, he's not a second-rate substitute for Christ. He, it is the Spirit of Christ. It's another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, he is with us. And one of the things he does for us is leads us into all truth. Thank God. Thank God that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, that he leads us into all truth. I want to read this. This is another uh, passage. If you're taking notes, jot this one down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Really, all of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and then I'll skip down. Paul says, in my speech and my preaching, he said, when I first came to you and brought you the gospel and you got saved, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. We have enough of that. There's enticing words of man's wisdom, and a lot of people are swayed by that and persuaded by that and con convinced by that, and they'll follow off something after something. Uh, whether it be Marxism or whatever it is, they follow after something because they're enticing words of man's wisdom. He says, that's not how I came to you, but I came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. When I came to you and brought this simple gospel about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures, I brought it to you in, the, in this demonstration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and of power. And he says that your faith shouldn't rest in the words of man, but in the wisdom of God. Amen? I'll re skip on down a little further. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. Christians, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know. Do you see that right there? This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know these things. Oh, you mean, you mean peace that passes the world's understanding is for me? I could read it, but I really, really wouldn't get it without the Holy Spirit saying, lay hold on that. Lay hold on Christ. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Amen? And the God of peace will be with you, and the peace of God will be with you. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And he's speaking to believers. These are people that are saved. He, and he's saying we've been, we've, the, we've been given the Spirit of God that we would know the things that are given to us by God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The Holy Ghost teaches us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. 
And so a lost man certainly doesn't. But I would say even a man that's saved and, and living in a carnal manner and thinking with a carnal mind and not appropriating the things of God in the Spirit, it says they receive not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. A lost man certainly cannot understand the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. And so when we give our lives to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. God begins to teach us and show us by the Holy Spirit. Somebody might say, well, I'm a Christian. That's nice, but I don't really see that it's necessary, the, the Holy Spirit's ministry. But can I tell you that we are in great and constant need of the grace of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to our lives? I don't think we even realize how dependent we are upon the Spirit of the Lord to teach us. Amen. God supplies a supply of the Spirit, he says, to us to teach us these things. A man cannot know, discern, or understand truth, cannot discern or understand the things of the Spirit, what's of God, what's true, what's of Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, bringing that knowledge. It doesn't matter how intellectual you are, how smart you are, and how long you've studied the Bible. Apart from the Holy Spirit, no one understands the things of God. We just read it in 1 Corinthians 2. He cannot know them. He cannot know them. The natural man cannot discern and understand. He can understand the words that are being spoken or read from the Bible. But the truth of it, they don't get. They don't get. It takes a work of the Lord. Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth or gives life. The, fre the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, their spirit and their life. It's the spirit that quickens. Okay. The Holy Spirit does it. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 16. If you're already in John 14, just skip over. John 16. Now, this is all Pre-Calvary, this is that right leading up to the time that Jesus was going to, going to go to the cross. This last time in these next few chapters and the things that he spoke to his disciples before he went to the garden and then was arrested. John 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, that means profitable for you, that I go away. Now, that had to sound strange to them. You're telling us, Jesus, that it's actually profitable for us for you to leave and they, they didn't understand it fully he says for if I go not away the, the comforter will not come unto you but if I depart I will send him unto you and when he is come he will reprove the world or convict or convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment that is his ministry that is something the Holy Spirit must do and only he can do you can't do it you grab your lost son who's a teenager and rebellious and you try to shake some sense into him and tell him the, the, the truth. Do we need to tell him the truth? Yes. Do we need to live it before him? Absolutely. Do we need to remind them? All those things, yes. Pray for their souls, okay? But the, when they're going to get it is when the Holy Spirit takes it and they'll allow the Holy Spirit to, to say yay and amen to what you've been telling them all those years. You could shake, you could lock them up in their room. Maybe it's necessary sometimes for discipline, whatever. But they're not going to get it until the Holy Spirit does it. He and we have to fall upon the Lord 
and say, God, would you convict them? God, would you convict them of their sin? Show them that they're in darkness. Show them that they're lost. Show them that, that they're not in the truth. Show them that what I'm telling them is real. Please, Lord, make yourself real to them. We're dependent upon the Lord. Now, God can do that, and they still reject. People have re- can be rebellious, okay? But they're certainly not going to come to Christ without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Skip down to verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you. Now, he's speaking to those that have believed upon him. But you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. I say this all, this is very, all these are very important. Because we see things that it's called the Holy Spirit in the church world today. There's a lot of things that go on in the name of Christ and in the name of the Holy Spirit that are not. I think the Lord gets blamed for a lot of things sometimes that are not his. He says, Jesus said, when he comes, he will show you things to come. In verse 14, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. If whatever claims to be the Holy Spirit is not glorifying Jesus Christ and is not glorifying the God of this Bible, the Jesus Christ of this Bible, then it's not the Holy Spirit. Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, he said, I'm, I'm afraid if another came to you speaking with an, in another spirit, preaching another gospel and another Christ, you might well believe them. So there are other spirits, there are other Christs, there are other uh, gospels that are preached in the name of the Lord that are not the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is the one that keeps us safe. The Holy Spirit is the one that glorifies Christ. And if, he, if what is being preached in that pulpit or written in that book, Christian book from the Christian bookstore that you're reading or sung in that Christian song that, or that spirit behind that song, if it's not glorifying Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of this Bible, it's not the Holy Spirit. Oh, but I felt goosebumps on my neck and, and my hair stood straight up on end. It had to be the Holy Spirit. No, something else was happening to you. If it's not glorifying the God of this Bible and his son, I don't care what emotions you felt and what swooped, you know, swept over you. If it's not the Lord, if it's not glorifying Jesus Christ, that's another spirit. And we have to be careful. We need to be wise. But we we have the scriptures right here. He's he will he will glorify me. Verse fifteen. And all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so you and I, and I'll bring this on, you and I as part of the body of Christ, born again men and women and young people, as ordained by our Savior, we're living in this day, right? I'm not living in Paul's day. I'm not living in Elijah's day or Noah's day. or I'm not living in the cowboy days, you know, 150 years ago. We, we're called to live in this day, and we're called to live as Christians now. And the Bible says that the times that we're living in, Paul said, this know also that in the last days or latter days, perilous times shall come. I know that I say that a lot. It's not to scare us. It's to understand where we are on God's timetable and what we need to be and what we're called to be in this hour. Perilous times shall come. 
And so that is the day in which we're living in the days to come, okay, in, in front of us still. What does it mean that the times are perilous? It means fierce. Everything about this word is scary. <laughs> perilous times, fierce, furious, difficult, dangerous. You say, well, I'm raising children in this hour. Yes, this is the hour that you're raising children, dangerous. And one of the words is, means reducing the strength. Not thought that, and thrown in the midst of per- dangerous and fierce is the last definition of perilous times means reducing the strength. And so I believe it is the darkness and the attack of the enemy and the increase of darkness that is trying to eat away at our faith, trying to reduce our strength in the Lord to stand for God, to live for God, to, to be bold in Christ, to keep the faith. That is, those things are working against us. So God's answer to that is the supply of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That goes for every era, every age, every perilous time, whatever may come. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have that promise, amen? We have that promise. And so when, when Jesus was speaking to his followers and he was telling them in Matthew 24 in this Olivet Discourse, and he's telling about future things that are to come. They said, Lord, when are all these things going to be? And what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? They asked him three questions. So they don't, they're not all group, grouped together in one answer. But in the rest of that chapter, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth, when they asked him, Lord, when's all this going to happen? And what's the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end of the world? What's, what's it gonna, you know the first words out of Jesus' mouth? I know you know it. Take heed that no man deceive you. Bam. First thing he said. He didn't say, make sure you got a big bank account because the economy's going to get rough. He didn't say, you know, have some good, strong Christian friends around and hunker down underground somewhere until it all blows over. No, he says, take heed that no man deceive you. For many are going to come in my name. Not one or two, many. There are false Christs are going to come and false prophets that are going to rise and deceive many, he says. So he speaks the whole time about about deception. I just want to read this myself. You can turn if you want to in Matthew 24, verses 23 through 24. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show, show signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he... Speaking of Christ, he's in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What are we talking about this in a series on truth? Because deception is, we need to know the truth and walk in the truth. Because deception is rampant. It's, it's increased in our day. Was there deception in, in Jesus' day on the earth? Absolutely. There's deception starting from the Garden of Eden when Eve uh, was beguiled by the serpent. But one of the, char- the main characteristic of the end times is deception. That's number one. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. All that is part of it. But he says, take heed that no man deceive you. And so he warned his followers not to be deceived. How, what's the answer to this? So they say, okay, we, we won't be deceived. What's the answer? How am I going to not be deceived? The Lord, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I have the responsibility to be filled with the Spirit, and I have the responsibility to go to the Word of God and study it because His Word is truth. Amen? He's magnified His Word above all of His name. A couple of more scriptures, y'all. 1 John. Y'all can turn with me there. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children is the last time. Now that's a phrase that's used, right? Last days, last times, end times, latter days. All of these are used for, technically it's the period between the resurrection of Christ and the second coming of the Lord. We're definitely in that timetable. And we're closer to the end of that. We're closer to the second coming of the Lord when the rapture will precede that. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 20. But you have, this is so important, y'all. Highlight this in your Bible. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Isn't that a comfort to come along behind that? There's going to be, you know, fierce times and perilous times and Antichrist spirit. Uh, it's in government, it's in the schools, it's in the education, it's in the media and the entertainment. The spirit of Antichrist and important people given over to the spirit of Antichrist. We see that work in our days. But he says, but you have an unction or like this knowing, this anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. That's the Holy Spirit. That ought to be a comfort to us that we know these things. Look down at verse 26 and 27. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. This, they're trying to trick you into believing something other than the truth. But the anointing which you have received of Him abides in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches, teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it is truth is taught you, it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So we're to continue in the truth. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to try to be bringing this to a close. Don't think for one, one moment that this is just a little lanyap or a little something extra or that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not important. We wouldn't last one second without the presence of the Lord, and His presence is with us by the Holy Spirit. Our body is His temple. And we, we by in and of ourselves, are no match for the devil. We, in and of ourselves, I'm just talking about me as a human being, are no match for His deceiving and the deception and His devices. God's answer to that is the Holy Spirit. So when you see people, and maybe it was you, or maybe it's been you in the past, or, or maybe you're afraid of it for the future. We don't need to be. But if we think, oh, I'm just afraid I'm going to be deceived. I'm afraid I'm going to be deceived. How do I know that even what at Cornerstone, what they're telling, saying is the truth as compared to something else? God's provision for that. He has a provision for you for that. Okay? He's provided something to you so that you're not deceived. It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who will guide us into all truth, and He will do it primarily by the Word of God. 
So again, I have the responsibility to sit under the authority of the word, to be taught the word, to, to, to teach, read it myself, to study it myself, to believe it myself, to stand upon the promises of God myself, to know it. I have that responsibility. But God's provision for that is the Holy Spirit who's greater. Be not drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so Satan's power to deceive is great. He's seducing the whole world right now, y'all. His power to deceive is great, but it is met and then surpassed by a greater power, and that is the Lord. We need to take confidence in that. His power to deceive is great. He is an expert. He doesn't abide in the truth, Jesus said. There's no truth in him. He's the father of lies. He tells half-truths, which people believe and swallow, and his power to deceive is great. And yet he's met by and surpassed by a greater power. And that's the Lord. So the weakest of the saints is strong, stronger than the devil in Christ. The weakest. You think I'm the, I'm the frailest, I'm the worst, I'm the this. In Christ, we, we are more than a match for Satan. I want to give this illustration. I'm bringing it to a close. I've shared it before, but it's a true one. It's a good one. Uh, there was a pastor of a church, a good church with sound doctrine. This isn't within recent years, maybe within the last 10 or 15 years. He was getting burnt out. He was a pastor and he was dry. Kept cranking out sermons and, and standing up before his congregation, but inwardly he was dry as dust and he was searching for something to revitalize his spiritual life and his ministry. And a friend of his handed him a book. He didn't know what the book was, but he said, this is what you need. Come to find out later, it was like new age type of book. Pastor didn't know it. Should have known it, but the point is, he sat down. He said, this one, he closed the door. His friend left. He sits in his office. He opens the book and begins to read it, and he gets along. He says, this is what I'm counting on. My friend said, this is going to be that breath of life that I need to revive me, and he starts reading a few pages, and he hears five words very clearly from Almighty God, who says, this is not of me. Put the fear of God in him. He, he repented. He got on his knees. He threw the book away. He said, God, forgive me. He had to turn back to the Lord and to be, he, he was still his child, but God warned him. It's my point. God protected him. We can, we can, honestly seek after some things that we think are going to do it for us and that's how people they get into music certain quote Christian music that is worse than secular music they get into they pursue after something they find themselves way out in left field somewhere in a dark place all in the name of Jesus the Holy Ghost keeps us from that if we'll listen to him amen he's he's God's provision for that and besides him, there's not a provision. He's more than the provision that we need, but just understand that. It's like saying Jesus is Savior of the world. He, he's more than the uh, Savior than we'd ever need, but there's not another one besides him. God's protection and provision for our protection spiritually is the Word of God, taught by the Holy Spirit, and but there's not another provision other than that. So say, I don't really like read my Bible that much. I don't really believe in being filled with the Spirit that much. 
then you are, you are robbing yourself of the only provisions that God has given for that because that is what he's given to protect us, amen? When, when Peter, I mean, sorry, when Paul and Silas were at Philippi and there was that lady with the, uh, with the, the familiar spirit that was following them for days, they're going to preach the gospel and there's a lady who's a fortune teller. She has a demonic spirit in her. And you know what she was saying? She was saying, these men, real loud, so they're walking from town to town, from house to house, and she's following them, saying with a loud voice, these men are of the Most High God that show you the true way of salvation. Well, that sounds right on target, right? But it wasn't God. It wasn't the Lord. How did, how did Paul and Silas know that that wasn't the Lord? The Holy Spirit. It says he was grieved. This went on for days, and finally he turns around, and he rebukes the Spirit, and the Spirit came out the same hour. They weren't a freak show. They weren't a circus. They didn't need a, a, an announcer screaming and hollering to everybody they walked by what they were doing. He knew this wasn't the Lord. But she said everything perfectly. What she said was correct. They were men of the Most High God, and they were showing the true way of salvation. How did he know that that wasn't God? The Holy Spirit is how he knew. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Perilous times. We're living in perilous times. Jesus said, take heed that no man but deceive you. There was a great revival in Samaria. And uh, Philip had preached the gospel and the Lord had done miracles. And people got saved. They believed the word of God. They got baptized in water. Peter and John came running down there because they heard about the wonderful things that were happening. They laid their hands on the new believers, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there was a guy named Simon who believed and was baptized. And Simon goes, hey, Peter, I'll, I'll give you some money here if you would give me that same power to whoever I laid my hands on, they received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Peter says, man, I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness in the bond of iniquity, repent. Just right off the bat, he knew. The, the man wanted the power to lay hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But he said, I'm going to pay for this. He had been a magician and a sorcerer before that. He just thought this would be a new form of sorcery. I'll use it for God, right? My point is that the Holy Spirit gives that discernment. I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness, Peter said. He probably didn't even know the man that well. And in the bond of iniquity. I'm going to close with this. The comforter. He is not an it. He is not a force. Like a Star Wars force. You got to tap into somehow. He is the Holy Spirit. He's holy. He's the third person of the Trinity. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One Godhead. In three persons. He is just as much God as the Son and just as much God as the, as the Father. He's not an it or a force. He's not just the movement of God or something like that. He is the Lord. He is the eternal spirit. He's the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The Bible says you open your Bibles and start reading it in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's His power. It, it, you, the Holy Spirit moving to create. 
and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen? And God separated the light from the darkness, and he's still separating the light from the darkness today, spiritually and morally. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of Christ. He can be grieved, the Bible says. He can be quenched. He's not a it. A believer can quench the spirit. A believer can grieve the Holy Spirit. Maybe by words we say, things we watch on TV, by sinful actions, we can quench the spirit when God says, I want you to go share the gospel with them. And the Holy Spirit is saying, go, I'm going to be with you. And we say, no, I'm too scared. I'm not going to do it. We're quenching the spirit. And we can grieve the spirit. He's not an it. He's a third person of the Trinity. And I'll close with this. He's not confused. Is this really about what's truth and what's not? The Holy Spirit's not confused about, is this really Jesus or or that not Jesus, I can't tell. He can tell. He can tell. That pastor, that minister, that song, that book, is just like that pastor that we talked about. Is this, he's not confused at all. He's not confused. This is Jesus Christ, and he takes what's Christ, and, and he shows it to us. See, you can come. Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm going to close with one scripture, y'all. John chapter 15. Verse 26, John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. You want to get to know the Lord better? You want to make sure that you're really pursuing after Christ? You want Christ revealed to you more? This is a work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit does this. Ephesians 4 says, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Christ and the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ and takes what the Lord has said and spoken and who he is and reveals that to you individually. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for the the working of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. Y'all stand with me this morning. These altars are open. Just come meet with the Lord. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. Come to the, these altars and ask God to, to lead you into all truth. Ask God uh, for protection for you and your families from deception. He supplies all that to us through his word and by his spirit. Father, we thank you this morning, God, that you have not left us defenseless, God. You said, I will not, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We thank you, Lord God, Lord, that that we're able to overcome by faith in you, Lord Jesus. That though we're living in perilous times, God, you strengthen us. You said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God, I pray you'd strengthen your people here this morning for the perilous times in which we live, God. What a wonderful name, the Comforter, that you comfort us, God. You teach us, you guide us, you teach us all truth, you keep us in the way, and you reveal Christ to us. We thank you, Lord, for that ministry and your work, and fill your people with your spirit even now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you.